Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com, and listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks, made out of bamboo. And let's get into our uh, weekend recap, brought to you by Beauty Status. And like I said last week, guys, Beauty Status has... Those head covers for your uh, driver, and they've got poles now for the golf course, as well as all the other stuff they've got, um, you know, stickers and flags for the man cave. Just very authentic stuff. Um, they do a genuine job there with the uh, Minnesota brand and in hockey all around. What did we get up to on the weekend there, fellas? Ols starts off. Yeah, so uh, Thursday, Thursday, we actually had a work happy hour. A couple of guys got uh, promoted. Um, so they're leaving our internal team. So we had a nice little happy hour over at, uh, the yard house in, uh, West end there, Minneapolis, uh, St. Louis park. Um, so I got, I'm not gonna lie. I got pretty turned up on that Thursday. It made Friday's, uh, work shift a little, uh, little stung, but then, uh, <clears throat> then, uh, I kind of relaxed Friday and then, uh, Saturday, uh, bunch of buddies were in town um you know cole smith kawaguchi uh Riggs, the pickle made it uh down into minneapolis <laughs> the pickle. so you know we we met up on uh actually that was thursday night we met up with all those guys and then uh took a day off friday then saturday i met up with uh cole smith dixon bowen uh, Tyson Jost, all those guys were going to the concert um, at the at U.S. Bank. Kenny Chesney. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have deep enough pockets right now for that venture, uh, so I just I kind of hung out with them in the afternoon there, and then uh, sh- shuffled them off to the to the concert, and I went home and uh, had a little gummy and enjoyed myself. So, <laughs> so Ols, what do you think? You know, what percentage do you think you're rolling at? On Friday, after a night like that on Thursday, you yeah. get, you get to work. Like, what percentage are you rolling in at? That's you a know? that's a great that's a great question. I mean, um, you make it look like you're doing a hundred percent, but truthfully, you're probably giving off about seventy three percent. Like, yeah. there's there's twenty seven percent of my body and my mind that <laughs> nothing to do with well, work on that Friday. And and you're working at you're probably rolling around. You're probably rolling through the day at seventy percent. But that seventy percent is way harder than giving a hundred percent on a normal day. A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's like I didn't know I'd have something come across my desk, and I didn't know if I wanted to chase it that day or whatever it might be. Yeah. Where a normal day, it would just be something normal i make the call or whatever it might be so that was a great question. i got the, i got the text from you guys on thursday and i was golfing at the time and um some things happened but i wanted to make it out i'm very thankful i didn't make it out <laughs> yeah it's one yeah. of those times where like you really want to at the time but then the next day you're like ah oh, thank god 
you know what you feel you feel like a boner like not accepting an invite or whatever like oh what are yeah. these guys gonna think about me whatever it might be i feel way better i feel way better when i don't do anything and i just sit back and relax and you know take a night or two off oh yeah you definitely feel better um you got any like so you've got plans this weekend you said you're heading up to chicago for yeah a little something yeah. Yeah, so uh, Shelby's sister, Alex, who actually played at North Dakota for the women's team a while back, uh, she's her birthday's this weekend. So we were going to make it out to uh, Chicago and um, do the whole spiel. And then she's actually friends with a guy that was on The Bachelorette or something. I don't think he was The Bachelor, but I think he was on The Bachelorette. Anyway, uh, he's got this big-ass boat. They've got, like, two big boats. So we're going to go right out on the water there. Uh, should Good be, you? yeah, should be a really, really, really fun weekend. So, and it's been a minute since I've been to Chicago, so it'll be good to sightsee a little bit too. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. The windy city is always a good time. For uh, sure. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. Mace, you get up to anything good on the weekend? Well, uh, I actually moved into my new place. New uh, pad, baby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, shout out to Gage for mini movers for helping me do so. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that gauge. God, great service. service. Great employee. Got to check it out a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then on Saturday, uh, me and some buddies went out, checked out some of the bars around town, and yeah, it was a good weekend. Yeah, what did you end up doing there, Mace? Did you end up going to any uh, cool bars or anything? So the first night we went to Uptown in Uptown. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, that was pretty fun. Got some pinball going, you know. And then on Saturday, we went to Can Can Wonderland and tried to get the mini golf, but they had like too many people there, so I didn't have any spots. So we just got a nice track there. Yeah. Got a nice track at Can Can Wonderland. Um, You know, where where the hell is this? It's like in a basement of a warehouse in uh, Minneapolis, right? Somewhere northeast, maybe? Yeah, it's like. East on 94 a little bit. What? It's like halfway between St. Paul and Minneapolis. Oh, I got it. They got a ton of, oh yeah, you, they got a ton of like old, um, you know, arcade games, like as old as you can imagine. Like they're all there. It's pretty cool. And then their, their track for mini putts pretty fun. I love that. I'm it's all in. Real, I've heard. I'm it's all a good in. spot. Yeah, Mace, let's get tuned up. Let's go there sometime. Boozy milkshakes. They have boozy milkshakes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Speaking my language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always busy though, because I think it's only a Thursday through Saturday or Sunday thing. Oh really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but up, up, down, up, down's another one. It's a good spot. You know, it's always nice to hop on the pinball machine. You know, mm-hmm. try to collect a million or few points on there and fucking <laughs> yeah. smash those buttons until you're out of balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I used to, Connor Gordon used to have one of those pinball machines in his dad's basement. Whenever we'd visit him, we'd always just play pinball all the time. It's unreal. He's, he's a great man, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you know, you know when I mentioned pinball, did you guys ever play that pinball game on your laptop or whatever, like those old computers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the space oh, one. The sp- <laughs> yeah. He's got <laughs> such a high score on that game. God, is that a blast from a pet? Do you guys remember the what were the video games you played on on the computer? 
Like I know like Penguin Club and all that shit was a thing. But what was what were the websites way back in the day, Gager? Do you remember those? Yeah, I mean, I know I remember watching my brother play RuneScape all the time. Like he was addicted. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I used to always play like backyard baseball and soccer on my oh, computer. Yeah. Oh yeah. With you know oh, Pablo man. Sanchez and those guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. The goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He might be the best athlete of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was always like a 99 in every backyard game. Yeah. Homer's every event. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that game was so addicting. Speaking of addicting, God. Oh. Spent hours on that thing. <laughs> oh, easily. Just slide it into that disc slot in your at home computer with the big, you know, box underneath it. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Good shit. Um, you can find some other stuff on those computers as well. Once I was in uh, late middle school, but uh, we won't go there. That's been deleted from history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, I'll get into my weekend. Um, started off Thursday, golfed a bit with uh, some friends at Deer Run in Victoria. It's a good track. Go check it out, folks, if you're in the Min- Minneapolis area. Um affordable it's just a little bit of a drive out there but they do have that nice bar right next to it. it's called floyd's good old time bar there live music a lot of the times so if you're out in that area chan has some chassis go check out uh floyd's and deer run good spots this this might not be confirmed but i heard rumors that it was a swinger bar really really nice touch there glad you glad you touched base with the the people there just to check in <laughs> Just to see what the swingers are up to, you know, it's it's always nice to see what their, uh, you know, who their prey is for the night, which couple they're looking at. Um, it'd be kind of fun to go there with like a fake girlfriend and just be like, yeah, what are you guys taking me off? Oh, that would be all time. <laughs> it's so good. Just look up the most absurd shit online that couples do to each other and just be like, oh, we're more into this. Oh, yeah, conversation going. Oh. You know what I've heard that gives it away? Swingers wear pineapple shirts. They've got shirts with like pineapples on them. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Sh- it might be a rumor, but that's what I've heard. So now, whenever I see a guy wearing a pineapple shirt, wherever I am, you know, restaurant, store, I'm just like that fucking guy's swinging. <laughs> He's a swinger. <laughs> guy's probably just wearing a pineapple shirt because he likes pineapple juice or something. Yeah. Why do I think he's a swinger? <laughs> Um, but then Friday I ended up, um, moving mace and then I met a couple of guys, um, at Gray's for a drink downtown. And then we walked over to Acme comedy. So I'm a frequent flyer at Acme comedy there. It's just like, you know, it's in the North loop. It's a comedy club. Um, they keep it pretty simple. It's cheap tickets, you know, drinks. They serve you drinks as you're watching the show. It's really a good setup in there. It's unbelievable. I go there all the time, but this particular one, I uh, end up bringing my girlfriend and her friend, and with us, and I'm like, it's it's their first time. I'm like, no, like this place is great. Like you guys can have a good time. They both ended up sleeping mid show. Like they're just fucking passed out in their seats sleeping. I thought we were gonna get booted because they were sleeping, <laughs> but rightfully so. Like it was it was terrible. It was so funny because this lady named Linda gets up there. She's like 65, 70 years old. She gets up. And she stands up there for like 30 minutes and and she doesn't say a single joke where anyone laughs. So like she's up there for 30 minutes, just like everyone's like she'd say a joke and it'd just be like 
Oh. <laughs> by, the, by the end of it, you know, we're looking across like she'd say a joke. We're like, ah, is she serious? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, close to funny. My brother, my brother would have died. My brother would have died. Oh, He's one of those dude. guys where an awkward situation comes in like a movie and he'll put a blanket over his head. Like with how awkward it is. I can't imagine if he was there with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if I had been dead sober, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I probably would have just walked out or something. But I was, you know, a little buzz going. I was like, this is so funny. Like, And then we start talking. <laughs> Who, who told this Lynn lady that she was funny and she should get on stage at a comedy show? Like, I'm sure it's her friends. You know, she's sitting around the bonfire having a couple cocktails, like, on a Friday night. And she's saying a couple jokes. And her friends are like, oh, my gosh, Linda, you're hilarious. You should get up there. And it's like, no, you, you shouldn't. You should really stay home. You don't need this in your life. like. And I know I was just thinking like her friends convince her to get up there and they all come to the show and she's just bombing there in the background. Like, <laughs> we knew this happened. <laughs> no, but I felt bad for her. But uh, And then after that, you know, we had a little golf round planned for Saturday and uh, it obviously rained all fucking day. So Ended up just driving up north and having myself a chill weekend after that, um, which is always nice, you know. I've actually I've actually found myself having a few more of those more frequently, and uh, I'm not complaining. It's been nice because there was a while there for I had strung together a few weekends in a row where it's like, okay, need some relaxation here. Yeah, um, and then this is kind of a tangent I'm going to go on, but then I was thinking. You know, I was talking with people and I was like, gosh, how nice would it be, you know, if, you know, like happiness or like relaxation just came in a little bottle and you just had to drink it all. And then all of a sudden you're relaxed, you know, this fucking ah, I haven't relaxed in a while. Just fucking chug a bottle and you're just all right. There it is. I'm ready to get back after it. I got my relaxation in. <laughs> I paid big bucks for that stuff, man. That's a that's a gazillion dollar idea you just came up with. Not Good luck trying to figure it out. But. I wish you the best. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably just, it's probably a simple, it's probably a simple mix of, you know, maybe Xanax and inside some hot, warm water. And then you just drink it. And bam, relaxed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are my weekend plans. I do have a uh, Lumineers concert this Friday, which I'm looking forward to. I've heard they're incredible in, uh, in concert live so really looking forward to that one and then after that uh, we'll see where the weekend takes me Love it. But let's get into the fun stuff here brought to you by butter golf and um, just to update you guys on Jordo's life he's overseas right now in switzerland running butter golf all while being an uh, overseas hockey player so our best wishes to him, but still check out their stuff on Instagram and on the website there, butter.golf. Um, got some good stuff. Obviously, Ole's wearing the hat right now. Mace wearing the grass fed backwards. Love that. So check that out. We're getting the fun stuff here. First one off, nail gun of the week. Does anyone want to start us off? I've got one. Actually, you know what? Throughout the week, I'll see stuff on Twitter. And I'll see things and I'm like, 
that's the fucking nail gun of the week. And I'll forget to write it down. And then I'll try to remember. And I can't fucking remember. It's like, it's like having a dream, you know, in the middle of the night, you have this crazy dream and you wake up and you're like, Oh, I can't wait to tell people about this crazy. ass dream. <laughs> And then you fall back asleep and then you wake up again and you're like, God damn it. I can't remember that dream. <laughs> I can't, dr- I, I don't dream. I've dreamt like four times in my life that I remember. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I don't know if it's just a terrible memory or what, but anyway, continue. Oh, the amount of fucking dreams I've had where I couldn't put my gear on in time for the start of the hockey game. And I wake up sweating like, oh, my God. Holy fuck, it's fake. I'm going to make it to the game on time. <laughs> I used to have fucking one of those every weekend, man. I was terrible. <laughs> um, okay, I'll get into mine now. Not for the tangents. So, saw on Twitter. This is from a while back where I just saw it resurface. This New England Patriots football player um, was late for a team meeting. He was going to be late. So he purposely crashed his car into another car just so he wouldn't get cut. I saw that. So his mindset was like, yeah, I'll just deal with the insurance agency. It's much better than showing up late for a Patriots team meeting. <laughs> I felt that I was like, I was thinking like, if I was in that scenario and I was on Hackstall's team, I would probably do the same thing. I can, I can <laughs> think of many times in my life where I was running late for a meeting that never crossed my mind, but I wish it would have because it's so smart. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Always car accident. <laughs> yeah. Or just and rip it actually, down the highway, go hundred. Oh, sorry guys. Get pulled <laughs> over. <laughs> see a cop you're speeding up like honking (laughs) (laughs) um that was my nail gun of the week do you guys have anything or should we move on to the next one mace you got one yeah i got one uh i'm going with the minnesota twins manager uh rocco there's a bad call at the end of uh i think it was yesterday's game maybe or two days ago and he just was absolutely firing away at the um like he was I just loved, letting it fly i loved it i watched that game he was fired up i love when he gets fired up so it's sad. the best i love when the when the manager just he's his sole reason for going out there is getting kicked out like he's not leaving until he's booted yeah it was, you gotta a, love it was a terrible call too awful awful Brutal. call awful call i'm not a huge mlb guy or whatever but that play was terrible it was bad I could I couldn't believe that he was called up or called safe. Um, I, I I couldn't believe that either. I I don't know the rule. It's similar to that. It it really reminds me of the goalie interference rule in hockey where no one knows what the fuck's going on. It's kind of just you know a guess uh, every time, and you're like, well, here's last time it was okay, and this time it's not. It's like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like baseball isn't really confrontational. So when a ma- like that's the most exciting part when a manager gets heated up and just buzzes down the ump. Oh God, yeah. I love it. Fires me the hell up. <laughs> yeah. Um, my nail gun of the week. I don't know if this is if we've touched base again. I have a terrible memory, but I saw a video of Billy Garen resurface, um, just absolutely teabagging uh, some guy in a fight. And actually, I think it was Keener. I think it was Keener's dad. It was. And it was just a meatball fight. They were just absolutely throwing haymakers. 
Am I wrong? I think it was Billy Garen and Keener. It was. It was. And they're just both teeing off on each other. <laughs> they were. No no reload, no nothing. It was just. No. Just a. <laughs> Until like, you can't throw anymore. <laughs> like Rock'em Sock'em. Fucking that old. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, you're pressing the buttons until one guy's head goes up. <laughs> yeah, that was literally what it was like. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was brought up last week or not, but I wanted to bring no. it up again because that's. No. It wasn't. I watched that fight. It was hilarious. I'm gonna. I'm also gonna end it off with a, an honorable mention. I'm gonna shout out Linda one more time, the 65 year old who got <laughs> up on the stage because, you know what, to get up on stage when you're trying to be a comic or a comedian, that's, that takes some fucking nuts. Absolutely. And especially as a 65 year old woman, like she got up there and she stuck with it and she wasn't getting laughs and she just stayed the course, kept telling these fucking terrible jokes. And you know what? That's, that's some nail gun attitude right there. Good for her. I'll shout her out. I do respect her for that 100%. I don't like her jokes. That's all right. But I do respect her for doing that. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to the next one here. Fuck one, marry one, kill one, or bury one, whatever you prefer. Um, The first one we're going to do is June, July, and August. Does anyone want to start us off here? Yeah, I'll I'll start real quick here. I think mine stays right in that order right there i'm gonna fuck june because it's like okay the hot weather's here uh and and i view fuck as like a good thing like we're gonna have central relations uh consent involved and then i'm gonna marry i'm gonna marry july because it's like the best month of minnesota you get the best weather you've got july 4th you've got cabin weekends and then i'm gonna kill august because fall is coming and that means snow and cold weather. So I'm going to stay right in that order, June, July, August. I like that choice. I can't really argue with, I mean, to be honest, this is a tough one because obviously all three months are up there with the uh, best months of the year for me. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to fuck July. July is sexy, baby. It's, you know, it's good shit. Um, I'm going to kill June just because I feel like it rains a lot in June. And there's a lot of weddings and I don't really like weddings. Like it's just an obligation that I have to go to where I'd rather just, you know, maybe have a night plan of friends and then golf instead yeah. of like, Oh, I gotta find a fucking outfit to wear this wedding. And then I got to stop and chat with, uh, you know, buddy's uncle that I don't know. And he's going to ask what <laughs> I do for work and I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to marry August just because, I think the weather in August is my favorite. It it starts getting a little cooler. It's not too hot. Like July, June, you get some hundred degree days and you're like, all right, this is enough. And then I do feel in August, there's a little less mosquitoes and you got football, you know, around the corner. So it's a, it's a really horny month for me. Waiting on the football Sundays and Saturdays coming. That's uh, it's very exciting. So that's going to be my, my order there. Mace, what do you got? All right. Um, I'm going to marry June because my birthday is in June. So I want that long term, you know. I like that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to fuck July, you know, July 4th. Great time. Great weather. And then I'm going to kill August. But 
I still like August a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't hate it too much, but yeah. it's, it's just not January. Out of the three, I'll kill that one. Yeah. 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 I respect it. <laughs> All right. We'll move on to the next one here. It's another fuck one, marry one, kill one. High school, college, or the first four years after college? Okay. I am going to. I'm going to. I think I'm doing the same thing. I think I'm going to keep it in order. I'm going to f- fuck uh, high school just because I was nasty back in the day. So, like, yep. <laughs> that's that yep. time of my life was was a great, uh, <clears throat> great time hockey-wise. Um, college, I'm going to marry just because of all the fun times we had. Uh, obviously, you know, hockey was a bonus, but just all the experiences and everything of college – and then I am going to murder the first four years out of college. Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy my time or anything. It's just, uh, like I said, high school, I was nasty. College was fun. And then, you know, Orlando was great, but then I had to find work and all that stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to grow up and I don't like that. So I'm going to yeah. kill it. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's tough to argue with your order there. Um, I was thinking about going the same, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm obviously going to marry college just because that's an obvious one. Um, There's college, nothing better. Um, I'm going to kill the, I'm going to kill high school just because it was kind of a stressful. I was moving around a lot. Um, Didn't know, you know, trying to, trying to be good enough for, to make it to college or juniors or whatever. It's kind of a stressful time in hockey terms for me. And then, I'm just going to fuck the first four years um, after college just because I wasn't so much worried about hockey. So I had that mental um, part released from my life, which is great. Um, But it definitely wasn't good enough to marry because like you said, you got to grow up, get a real job. Um, It's not just your, you know, when you're a hockey player, you're working pretty much from, you know, 8 a.m. till noon. And then after that, just, you know, obviously you're working on the body and stuff, but it's not the same. Not even yeah. nowhere, nowhere near the same. So I did have a lot of fun being out of college, a little less stressful in that sense, but it's pretty obvious the Mary one is college for sure. Yeah, I agree. Mace, what do you got? All right. Obviously, I'm going to marry college. I love my time up, time up at No Deck, so got to marry it. Uh, I'm gonna fuck the four years, first four years after college, cause got a job, got money now, uh, and just good times with my friends, and I don't have like to worry about school. And then kill high school. I mean, it was fun, but out of those three, it was my least favorite. Respect. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Ulf didn't marry high school because those were, you know, his kind of. Like, that was when he was on top of the world, just fucking big dick swinging in the wind. Yeah. I was so so nasty back then. (laughs) (laughs) Little state high school hockey tourney. Oh, good to have me. Yeah, mine would have been, mine would have been, if I was in your scenario, I probably would have chose the same stuff for sure. I didn't have as good of a high school experience as you did. That's for sure. Yeah, we uh, uh, we, all, we all stayed and we enjoyed it. So, figured I'd give it a shout out. That's huge. 
Yep. Okay, we're going to do one more here. Um, these next three are Sunday at noon, or Sunday at noon, Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 5 p.m. I'm going to go... I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Friday at 7 p.m. That's just like made it through work. Um, it's kind of go time. Gonna you know make my way to a to a tavern or a pub. Get my night started. Um, I'm going to marry Saturday at 5 p.m. So so many things can happen uh, as soon as that clock hits uh, 5 p.m. Um, <clears throat> And then I'm going to absolutely kill the Sunday at noon. And this is tough for me because I'm a huge football advocate, huge fantasy football guy, love love betting the games a little bit here and there. Um, but I think just like the week coming to an end and then we just got to reload and do it all over again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill Sunday at noon. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with yours. Mine's going to be a little different. I am going to fuck Friday at 7 p.m. for sure. There's nothing like those vibes getting out of the work week, um, whole weekend ahead of you. Those are good vibes, you know, like, all right, what are we doing? What's the plan? You know, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, maybe you have full weekend plans too. Like, it's even fun when you got full weekend plans and the Friday ends. And it's it's also just as good when you have no plans. You're figuring it out right at 7 p.m. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, I am going to kill Saturday at 5 p.m. Knew that was coming. And I'm going to marry Sunday at noon. Just vegging on the couch, watching football. Could be golf in the summer. Um. It's just a great feeling sitting on the couch. You've got, you know, you know, you've got no plans or either like Sunday at noon, you could be golfing too. So there's that option. Um, you've got no plans to like, you know, go out there in Florida or anything. So you don't have that stress, you know, weighing on your shoulders. Like, all right, do I got to saddle up again here tonight? No, nope, you're just on the couch for good. It's <laughs> yeah. a great feeling. Um, and that's going to be my list there. I love it. Mace? All right. My my list might be a little bit controversial. Um, I'm going to fuck Sunday at noon. I like uh, relaxing, get the whole day off, uh, football, of course, and then I'm going to marry Saturday because – just like Sunday, you got the full day off. You don't have work at all, but you can still go out at night. And then I'm going to kill Friday just because you have to work during the day still. You don't have the full day to do whatever you want. It makes a point. Yeah, that is a great point. That is a great – that's a, such a valid point. Well done, Mace. I was, more so think, I was more so thinking on the exciting side. You know, I wasn't even thinking about work. Yeah. It's like mm. – Fucking yeah. it's over. But yeah, now that Mace brings up work, I had already forgotten that I worked because it's yeah. 7 p.m. I'm like, did I even work today? I don't fucking remember. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> but it, it is valid. It is valid on your side as well, Mace. It's a very good point. Thinking back, I'd probably kill Friday and uh, fuck Sunday at noon. Yeah. But no going you back. Might have, you might have won that one. Yeah. Um, 
All right, let's move on to a new, newer segment here. We've had this idea before. Um, we'll test run it now. We're gonna do. A, we're gonna just do a prank phone call to someone. Um, I have someone in mind. I hope she answers. It's gonna be my mother. And I'm gonna tell her I just got pulled over with a ton of drugs in my trunk. So <laughs> let's, no, uh, let's see what she says. I love this. Tell me if you can. Tell me if you can hear it ringing. Yep. Yep. Hey, what's up? I'm breaking with Bonnie. Okay, well, I've got to share something with you. Um, I just got pulled over, and there was something in my car that I wasn't aware of. I, I just need your, your help or dad's help. You did not get in trouble with the law. Well, I, mean, I need to call a lawyer, I think. Oh, my gosh. I don't know who to call, honey. What was it? Was it marijuana? I can't keep it going. You're on the podcast right now, and I was prank calling you. So. Oh, my gosh. You are so mean. You have no idea. I was going through all my videos and all our friends. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm you were sorry. the meanest things people have done to me. I'm so, I'm so sorry. That was, uh, so mean. that was a good bit, though. The listeners are going to enjoy that one. Um, it's not a great prank. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was actually hesitating calling you with that because, you know, what happens when it actually happens? You're not going to believe it. <laughs> yeah. no, I was just going to be going through the three of you. What, what ways do I know that could help you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're so freaking mean. <laughs> you are so freaking mean. I, I want to puke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'll let you get back to your bike ride. Well done. Getting oh, little... I'm sure it's going to be a great ride. Right now. Well, yeah. It's exciting news that I'm not in trouble. I'm just doing a podcast. And you know what's so bad is I believe that you'd be that dumb. That. <laughs> oh, let's cut that part out, Mace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let me. Hi, Mama Bear. Miss you. <laughs> well, that oh, went well. I think that was all time. I, I'm that so was awesome. I'm I'm so sorry. I ruined it. I couldn't. I, as because I know my mom's reaction would be exactly the same. Oh, I felt oh, bad yeah. doing it. She completely bought it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, she's a good oh, sport. That's awesome. She's a good sport. She's a good sport. We'll have to uh, run that back again as a segment, maybe with a guest we have on. Um, but yeah, we did have an interesting guest on. One of my teammates from Ann Arbor um, played at Boston College now plays for the St. Louis Blues in that organization. He's played for the Devils, uh, the Predators. Just a really good hockey player, really good guy. Um, hope you enjoy his interview. He shares some valuable insight on being a father and playing hockey at the same time and growing up in New York City, um, where his dad started a rink. So now we, we'd like to welcome on Stephen Santini. All right, so Stephen, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate having you on here and uh... – all the way. Where are you living right now, by the way? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm actually in Connecticut. Uh, me and my wife bought a house here um, pretty much at the start of the pandemic. And 
we outgrew mom and dad's house. So uh, it's nice to have our own space. And uh, it's kind of where we grew up, uh, just on the Connecticut side of New York and uh, close to where I trained the summer. So uh, we like it and um, it's been a nice little home for us. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be nice for the uh, for the parents as well to get to. They probably don't want uh, those young kids running around. They're probably happy to have them visit, but uh, living there full time would be a little much for the for the grandparents, eh? Yeah, uh, I think uh, after my daughter was born in February, um, my wife, my son, and my daughter were, were living at my in laws for a little bit, and uh, the house gets crowded when it goes from two people to five uh, real quick. So uh, I think they enjoy helping out, but at the same time, uh, they get to play golf now and, and go for walks and sleep in in the morning. So uh, it, it comes with the pros and cons for sure. For sure. Well, Stephen, we'll start off with um, kind of, you know, you're growing up in Bronxville, New York. Kind of tell us about that, because most of our listeners, um, they're obviously from the Midwest. And we've had a couple a couple guys who played hockey out east. But you're kind of the first one that has grown up out there. And uh, it's just a little different culture a, a bit. But kind of tell us how you grew up and, and how did you start playing hockey out east? Yeah, uh, obviously a little different out here from the uh, the Nodak mini guys you normally have on. Uh, yeah, I was born in Bronxville. That's kind of what the hockey DB and everything says. But I grew up uh, in Mayapak, which is kind of northern Westchester um, area. And uh, my dad actually owned a rink up there. That's where I grew up playing. And um, that was just kind of my first memories. I would just go to the rink with him all day and I'd play and practice. And I'd go there after school. I'd go there on snow days. Um and hockey may not be as popular as it is out, um, you know, in Minnesota and North Dakota. There's obviously, you guys have town teams. We have AAA teams here. Uh, guys drive an hour for practice on your AAA teams and stuff, which is, I know, wild for you guys. Uh, but, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. good. We had, a, we, we had a good youth hockey team, uh, our 95 Express team. Uh, most of the guys either played college or junior somewhere. Um, so it was fun, and um, I had a good time with it. Who who are kind how of the your names, di- who who are kind of the big go ahead uh, yeah so that ninety five team um, we had John Hayden obviously Goose you know uh, we had Adam Ernie we had Tony D'Angelo we had a guy named Kenny Citron that played at Colgate we had um, a guy named Chad Malinowski who played at Wesley in D three uh, John Biaco played at Yale. Um, I'm probably forgetting a bunch of names. Zach Diamond Tony played at Northern Michigan or Michigan Tech. Uh, Alex Talcott played at Michigan. Um, I'm probably missing some guys, but that just gives you an idea. Like we were kind of a loaded team, and um, it, it was good yeah. for us to have a good team at a young age because the practices and the games and everything really pushed us. So um, I was I was fortunate to be a part of that team for sure. Who are you guys? Who are you guys kind of battling with when you were that age? Um, was it like you're playing against Honey Baked, obviously Shattuck, those teams? Like, who's kind of your rival growing up there? Yeah, so we would obviously have to travel. You do like your five or six big tournaments. You'd go to like you know, Toronto Marley's tournament, the Nike Bauer in Chicago, the Silver Sticks. So it was really us. Um, L.A. Selects. Uh, were a big team um, that Scotty was on, actually. They had Brian Williams. Uh, Comrie was their goalie. Yeah. Um, so they had a good team. It was Detroit Honey Big. All the Detroit teams were always good. Um, South Shore Kings in Boston were kind of a wagon. So we had, like, five or six teams that we would just travel around, and that was kind of our youth hockey experience is 
crazy as it seems. Yeah. So how does, I mean, how does your dad go about buying a rink and then making that his life? Like, how did he fall into that? And obviously, I mean, that's how you ended up in hockey, but how does your dad get there? Yeah. So it's, um, he played growing up in, uh, Yonkers and, and in the city. Um, so he was, hockey wasn't really popular on here. There was a guy named Joey Mullen, uh, who I think played at BC and then maybe for the Rangers. He kind of helped hockey grow in the area. And my dad just fell in love with it. He was a big baseball player. Uh, he ended up playing at the University of Maine. And then when he left, um, I think he worked a couple other jobs. He might have worked real estate for a little bit. And then him and my grandpa ended up managing a rink that was owned by the town in Long Beach, New York, on Long Island. So he would commute from Westchester to Long Island, which is, you know, over an hour, probably one way. And I think one day he just got sick of it and was like, that's it. I'm putting all my chips in and I'm building my own rink up here. So um, he obviously entrepreneur story, took out the loan, built one rink, had success, grew hockey in the area, built a second rink. And now he's got three and a half sheets. So um, he's kind of built the youth hockey and the, the, the arenas around this area for sure. And um yeah, I don't think that was his plan all along, but uh, yeah. here we are yeah. 30, 30 years later, and he's he's still doing it. So uh, it's a pretty cool story, I think. Well, Stephen, it wasn't in my plans either to uh, be a mover the rest of my life, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> thing, you know, shit happens, and, and you end up in a spot where you didn't see yourself, but uh, it's okay. That's sometimes that's what you're meant to do. So um, that's, that's a pretty cool story. I mean, what what else, like, how do you build a hockey rink? Like, did he add other, like, concessions or like shooting areas to this spot like how do you how does he make those decisions yeah so like i said hockey at that time was not really popular in this area so he was kind of the premier i guess you'd say facility and it was literally just one ice rink it was just a sheet of ice with like bleachers and like four locker rooms and an office and then as he had success he built like a snack bar then he built the second sheet with a pro shop then he built the third floor which was like you know a mini rink and a restaurant and a bar and a banquet room. Now he has an outdoor rink that opens in the winter. So like I said, I don't think that was his plan all along, but he just kept having success and the demand was there. So I give him a lot of credit. He worked hard and, you know, growing up, I saw him at the rink. He was there seven in the morning till nine or 10 at night, every night. And um, he worked really hard and uh, he had a lot of success as a result. I just kind of saw that. And that, that was kind of my role model, I guess, growing up. That's like being that's like real life Sims, like the, you know, like her clash of clans, you're building your own city and all that shit. (laughs) That's basically what it was. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah. So, Stephen, obviously, we know each other from um, from playing at the program together in Ann Arbor. You know, I, I think if my memory serves me correct here, you were one of the, the guys who was committed to play for the team even before the 40 camp started. Am I, am I right there? So you are, obviously cor- you, you are were, correct. So you were like a pretty, I mean, pretty big talent growing up. Like at what age did you realize that, you know, I've got a, I've got some skills in this, in this hockey thing. And, and um, this is kind of what I'm going to do with my life. Like, when did you realize that? And then, I mean, was it at a young age? Like, I want to play hockey the rest of my life or you just kind of noticed at one point, like, Holy shit, I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing. So people are talking to me. So um, I guess this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I guess uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, kind of what you're saying, like it's what you envision, but you also like 
have a point where it goes from like a fantasy to like, okay, this could actually, I could kind of make this work. Um, I guess as early as I could remember, I was either going to be the catcher for the New York Yankees or a defenseman for the New York Rangers. Like I was so committed (laughs) to my sports and obviously I was a much better hockey player. I love baseball. I still love baseball, but I was a much better hockey player. And um, once you get to like peewees and you kind of go to bantams and you kind of become an elite player and then like the program starts to kind of to get your attention. And that was, you know, colleges are, are talking to you. That was kind of the first time I was like, I was 13 or 14. It's, I know it's crazy. These young kids get recruited, but um, that was the first time I was like, all right, like I'm fully going to commit to this and nothing is going to stop me. That was just kind of my mindset when I was probably really like, yeah, 12 or 13. Um, I was like, I'm going to go to the program. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to the NHL, win a Stanley cup. And that was just kind of, that's been my plan since I was 12 or 13. And here I am, yeah. man. I'm still living the dream to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, um, I also wanted to touch on, so Ols doesn't know you personally much, but you're like one of the nicest, like soft-spoken guys off the ice. And when you when you start playing the game, you're one of the meanest cocksuckers on the ice, just blowing <laughs> guys up, playing hard. Like, how how do you make that transition from being this, you know, one of the nicest guys on earth off the ice. And then you just flip a switch and you're just, just animal on the ice that no one wants to be on the ice with. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, thank you for both of those. Uh, <laughs> I guess, honestly, uh, growing up, that was just kind of what my dad taught me. Like he was always my coach. And since he played sports, I, he always was just kind of giving me his input. And he always taught me at a young age, when you play any sport, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, you can be the meanest, baddest, you know, mother effer out there and say and do whatever you want. But the second the whistle blows, you shake their hand, you be a choir boy the rest of the day. And I just kind of taken that mentality into adulthood too. Like, you know, I come home and hang out with my wife and kids, but I go to the rink and I cross check and finish hits like every other defenseman. So I don't know. I, I just learned how to balance it <laughs> at a young age. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I freak myself out when I get into that zone that you were talking about. But <laughs> it's just it's part of playing the game, man. Everyone has everyone has it. Everyone has it. So you get you get back to, for you, sure. You get back to the bench and you're like, what the hell did I just say to that guy? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of moments like that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. What am I I still remember, you know, you meet like I, I meet Steven and he's like just just this nicest guy ever. And then I like we're playing a game and, and one guy pisses him off and he chirps him and he's just <laughs> steaming. <laughs> and you're like holy shit i didn't know steven had this in him like yeah he, this guy's scary <laughs> yeah honestly it was um, just yeah like i said at a young age that was just kind of how my dad said like hey this is how you play the game you you compete as hard as anyone else on the ice but before and after the game you are a respectful young man and i said okay and i've always just taken that advice to heart so um yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have any secret formula for it. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, do you remember? Um, did you see the the news on Kirk, our our boxing trainer from Ann Arbor? Yes, I actually meant to send that to you. I uh, I came across it. Someone sent it to me, and I was I sent it to some of the boys. I was just I was completely well. I shouldn't say I was completely <laughs> in shock, but uh, it, it was interesting to see that article. He was kind of out of sight, out of mind, and I still tell stories about him to this day. But uh, yeah, that guy was something else. Also, I'm sure you've heard. Uh, I'm sure, you've had running with program guys that have had some crazy stories. Yeah, For so sure. I mean, 
for the listeners, for the listeners who don't know, our boxing coach in Ann Arbor, his name is Kirk, boxing and he was, coach. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just lugging logs around and killing us, coach, basically. But yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy was just something else. Like Jordo says, coming off the top rope, like he's intense, and he always carried around this pistol with him because he was like a yep. prison security guard or something. So he always <laughs> had this pistol on him. Well, anyways, this article comes out couple weeks or a month back and and he got in a little tussle in, in his front lawn i think uh three three kids tried to kind of rob him and he ended up killing one of the kids so um yeah i don't, I don't mean to laugh there. i'm just more yeah. just reflecting on our our teenage years uh with him is just kind of why i'm laughing it all comes full circle with you know whether he was whipping out the pistol or the swiss army knife and just scaring us to death as 16 year old kids running laps in the rain around the Ann Arbor ice cube, you know? So yeah, that guy was, that guy was something else, but uh, I think he actually did his job as weirdly as it sounds like he did his job pretty well with what they were, they were trying to do. I thought so as well. There's, there's obviously critics of, of Kirk and, and what he did. And it was, you know, thinking back and thinking back on it and having this program, you know, tell these parents like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take your kids in. We're going to take them away from home and you know, they're going to be here living with us. And then we're all, they're also going to be with this absolute lunatic carrying dogs <laughs> around the woods and just fighting each other. <laughs> like, uh, no, but yeah, don't worry. It's going to be okay. The hardest part about Kirk was uh, like looking back on it. Like you hear about guys that we got concussions from like the boxing and like dislocated shoulders from the wrestling. That stuff was bad. But, I mean, in terms of, like, just, like, the team bonding stuff, it's kind of, like, funny to look back on. And some of my best memories are, like, he would pair up me and Goose, not knowing we were good buddies. And we would, like, kind of, like, look at each other, like, all right, like, we're not going to hurt each other. And we would just, like, pillow punch each other, like, when he wasn't looking and just, like, pretend like we're, like, eating real punches. Just trying to, like, make it look tough so he wouldn't get yelled at and have to do push-ups or run laps. And, uh, yeah, he was just he – was, he was something else, man. You, you guys have a real you guys we used to call it locker boxing but we didn't have like somebody watching over us we'd just beat the hell out of each other uh in the no, we used to yeah. say uh what was the thing you say it was like no uh mutual alliances or something he'd be like no friend oh, out yeah. here like make your teammates yeah. better so like me and goose are like oh he's not looking like put our arms down like shake our arms out a little bit <laughs> you're always eyes are always on him making sure he's, oh, yeah. if he's looking at you you're doing some work <laughs> yeah I still remember Mike McCarron and John Hayden trying to knock each other out. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Oh, I still remember. I still remember one time we knew we had Kirk after practice. So we get in the locker room and <laughs> there's this like there's this like ten number sequence um, that we had to memorize. <laughs> and yep. he'd ask us mid workout, "What's the sequence?" And no one knew the fucking numbers. It was way too hard <laughs> yeah. to memorize. So we just end up doing push-ups and burpees the whole fucking time <laughs> some of his one-liners too were like out of this planet like we were getting bagged in like the mud and he's like all right i want you to count by threes and we go i go three goose says six kevin the bank goes 12 and we all like look at him and kirk's like boy you ain't no mathematician everybody hit the deck and give me 20 <laughs> 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 pouring rain cars are like driving by honking at us i remember at 40 camp we all had these they threw out all of our shirts our gray shirts that had your last name on them and he's like 
All right, you guys got five seconds to grab your shirt. <laughs> so everyone goes up and grabs their shirt, and we had this Alex Shaneborn from Minot, uh, North Dakota. Chewy, and Chewy, I yeah, played with yeah. him in Orlando. Yeah, so he's he's there, and then there's a Shuneman on our team, and he still plays too. I think Stephen, he's I don't know if you recognize that name, Corey Shuneman. He he plays. Was he in uh, Laval? Yeah, I think he was. Yes. yes, Yeah, we just we played him in a seven game series this year. Uh, Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. So, anyways, those two guys have just very similar last names, and (laughs) they both put on the wrong shirt. (laughs) So we get all we get these shirts on and. Alex Schoenborn's like, Shuey's like, oh, yeah, this this isn't my name. Like, I I have the wrong shirt. And Kirk's like, the <laughs> fuck do you mean? The fuck do you mean that's not your name? You don't know your fucking last name? What are you, retarded? Uh, <laughs> oh, he would say that word so much. And, like, we would just, like, cringe. And then we would just be like, oh, man, come on. Don't, don't say that <laughs> word. <laughs> boys i would have never made it so good for you guys <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's it was different back i mean those are yeah. the best those are some of the best memories you have as much as it sucks Absolutely. when you're there like you're thankful that you had them for sure um, kind of brings you together right away like you're all 16 year old kids and you're all so miserable away from home like and you do stuff like that every day for two hours after school it's just like it actually brings you together real quick <laughs> yeah. for sure so steven i mean was that you know, going to Ann Arbor, we always ask our, our guests, like, you know, what's it like being away from home the first time? I mean, was that your first time being away, living away from home and not being with the family? Or had you already experienced that beforehand? No, honestly, like, I lived, a, I, I obviously traveled a lot for the youth hockey stuff um, in terms of, like, I go to tournament in Chicago and California and Florida. And I was like every other kid, you know, like, youth hockey player kind of did that. But I never really lived away. So I was always... I was the typical like egocentric New Yorker that was, you know, the world revolves around New York. Like I'll never live outside New York. And I lived in Ann Arbor and it was like a beautiful town. And, uh, I loved it. And um, yeah, I, I, it was the first time, but um, it, I think the building makes you grow up fast and it actually prepares you for college really well. For sure. So then I obviously after Ann Arbor, you end up at BC, you know, when did you make that decision to go to BC and why Boston college over? I'm sure, you know, obviously you're a good player growing up, so you probably had the pick of the litter there. So how do you land on BC? Um, I was, I was fortunate. Uh, I had a bunch of schools recruiting, recruiting me. Um, just kind of looked in the Northeast didn't really uh, want to go anywhere further from home. Um, I committed pretty early on. I think it was towards the end of my freshman year of high school. Um, I looked at a bunch of schools and I just, I don't know, BC just kind of felt right. Uh, I'm a really religious guy and obviously it's a Catholic Jesuit school. So that was a big attraction for me. Um, and going to school in Boston was obviously a big plus. So, um, like I said, my dad played at Maine. So that was probably the first school I really wanted to uh, play for growing up. Um, but at that time they were kind of in a rebuild mode. Um, the coaching situation was, was changing. And, um, my dad really wanted me to go to Harvard. He always talked about Harvard growing up. I think he just wanted me to be like a smart, educated guy. Uh, but ultimately (laughs) I just felt like, I felt like BC just for me was on and off the ice, just the best fit. And, uh, I was really happy I chose there. Yeah, not a bad school to uh, go play college hockey at, I'd say, with uh, Boston College there. And your freshman year was that the was that the Johnny hockey team, or was that the year before we got there? 
Yeah, my first year was the super team, uh, the super line of uh, Kevin Hayes, Billy Arnold, and Johnny Gaudreau. Um, yeah. Thanks for all the second assists, Johnny uh, and Kev. <laughs> you guys really, really helped me out there. But uh, yeah, it was. We had a wagon of a team. We had Thatcher Demko and Net. We had uh, Mike Matheson on the back end. We had um, Austin Cangelosi, who was a really good college player and junior player. Um, oh yeah. I'm blanking on more names, but yeah, we had a really good team. It was it was fun to be a part of and. Obviously, we fell short to Union um, in that Final Four. It just couldn't pull it off. The go- but the ghost was uh, just too much to handle out there. The ghost, yeah. I heard you and Fast talk about his performance in the the finals. It was the same way in the the semis, man. Like they had a power insane. play, and it was like you knew he was going to score. Like I don't even know. Like he's running like the top of the QB on the the one three one, and you know he still know he's going to score. Like how does that? <laughs> like, how do you even do that? So. Yeah, that team was yeah. good. They had Daniel Carr too. They had uh, they had a bunch of names uh, of guys. So yeah, um, it was Bodie. still to this day bothers me that we didn't get a natty in my three years there. But um, we had two Final Fours, which was fun. Yeah, did you? Okay, so we'll kind of circle back. You get to campus, and um, I wanted to ask you, you know, what what it was like getting to campus because I know, you know, as good of friends as we were in Ann Arbor. Um, you know, when I'm going into college, like my mindset's a little different. Like I'm thinking like, oh, I can't wait. Like, there's so many hot girls and like, can't wait to like go to the parties. And I know Steven walking in there like, all right, you know, there's, you know, there's, that's where I'll be studying. You know, that's where I'll be working out. Here's where I'm living. Like a little different mindsets. So, like what was it like arriving to campus and, and kind of adjusting to the college life? Yeah. Uh, Definitely agree with what you said there. To preface that question, um, probably had different mindsets. I know how you and Tomer were marching uh, into uh, Nodax campus. Uh, got to know you guys pretty well before you stepped on, and uh, had heard some stories about Nodax before. And uh, I know you guys were really excited for that rookie party before you stepped on. So, uh, but for me, honestly, it was a pretty smooth transition. Like um, I stepped into a good situation where I was going to play right away uh, at school. Um, we had a good team. Um, we had a great group of guys, uh, had good roommates all my years I was there. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not that bad. Like in terms of the classes were obviously hard, but they help you along. Um, they do a great job with, they have like a student center there um, to help you help all the athletes. And um Honestly, if our team wasn't as good and I didn't like the guys and the coaches as much, maybe it would have been a hard transition. But for me, it was it was pretty smooth, man. I, I went there, um, wanted to get better, and I felt like I did that. So it was, it was good. It was an easy transition. And BC's, BC is, you know, it's in Boston, but it's a little out of the city. Like, I know BU is just right in, right in downtown almost. Um, I think I think the BC kind of a little bit out of the city would would – cater to my needs a little more i'd like that a little more just because i feel like you got a little more room and privacy out there but um i don't know what it's like because i know boston boston college is a good football program and basketball program so like what's it like you know is the hockey team kind of the alphas walking around or um you know what's it like being a hockey player for on the campus of boston college yeah i would say it's actually cool to have uh, a bunch of different sports to be honest with you i think in my opinion hockey is probably the alpha sport just given the success that we've had um you know consistently maybe not the last few years but when i was there 
leading up, you know, national championships, frozen fours, uh, a lot of bean pots, which I know for most of your listeners in Minnesota, North Dakota, who cares? But that's a big deal out here. Uh, yeah. So we had that going for us. And um, it was like when I went to, on my visit to BU, one of their selling points was like, well, BC has a football and a basketball team. It's like, okay, well, that's cool because I get to watch like Clemson and FSU and USC. And I get to watch yeah. like Duke and UNC Syracuse basketball. Oh, that's actually like a cool point, you know, like yeah. so I liked <laughs> yeah. it. And we, we support the other athletes. Like we, we didn't have any beef with the other teams. It wasn't like a power struggle at all, but hockey is obviously a well-respected sport there. And um, like storming the field after they upset number 13 USC is still like a really cool memory for me. So I liked going to the football and basketball games. I was never like a, it was never a competition amongst the sports, I guess. I, I, I can appreciate that because we didn't really get to do a whole lot of that. Like we went to, you know, and, and I'm sure your um, schedule was busy too, obviously, but uh, we didn't really get to go out or like even really had the desire to at times with how hockey was. So um, what, what was kind of like the, like, what was the buzz? I just feel like the game, the game days up there were much different than a North Dakota game day and things like that. So like, what was, like, the, the energy around the whole thing? Yeah, so, obviously, I, Boos and I actually played an uh, exhibition game with Nodak, against Nodak with the program. So, I kind of got a taste of what it was like. Um, tremendous rink and atmosphere, by the way, for playing a bunch of high school kids. I mean, that was – I still tell yeah. people that's got to be one of the best in college hockey. So, definitely respect that. But for us, um, our campus is – everything's pretty much on campus. Like, it's a gated campus majority of the students all live there so like on game day there is kind of a buzz like you know like if you go to like a friday morning class or something or like you know you're like you feel the energy and um they, they do pretty well they pack the building it's um it's a pretty big building it's uh it gets loud and they got the band going and everything so depending on who we we're playing obviously if it's like merrimack on a tuesday night we may not yeah be packing the barn but if you're playing like BU Northeastern on like a Friday, Saturday night, the place was always rocking. So I loved it. And I always say I would have played there 20 years if I could, just like you guys would have stayed in Nodak for 20 years if you could have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the treatment like and the, the life like playing hockey for BC? Cause it's a little different for us, you know, in the Midwest, we're all playing just two game series every weekend versus you guys are, like you mentioned, you're playing some games on Tuesdays, Thursdays, just cause everything's so close. Like, how often yep. are you are you hopping on the plane or are you busing mainly every game? Yeah, so I would say it's obviously not comparable with the volume, but it's a little bit more of like a pro style schedule in terms of um, the travel and the, when the games are. Like if you're in the American League, you're, you know, busing and whatnot. Uh, so we would usually do like one or two big trips in the beginning of the year, whether it be Michigan, Minnesota, um, Colorado, kind of like that first like October month. Um, we do like one or two big trips and everything else was mostly day trips. You know, we'd play like Friday night at home against BU and then Saturday night in Providence or uh, I think Maine and Vermont were our only um, like weekend road trips. And even that's only like four or five hours. So it was really nice, just um, uh, limited travel. And um, I think it actually helps build the rivalries because everyone's right on top of each other. Um, so that's the kind of the best part about hockey is, I think is just the uh, teams are so close and you have visiting fans, you have home fans, you have both bands. It kind of creates like a rowdy atmosphere for a lot of the games. I like it. 
to, to build off this, like for us, you know, we played Friday, Saturday against the same opponents. So we had the full week to practice, you know, what our opponents were going to do for that weekend. You know, you mentioned you play BU on Friday and then go play Providence on Saturday. How do you like, what's the preparation like when you're playing two separate teams? Uh, what's the mindset? Cause obviously if you lose that first night, it's against a different team. So it's like, you don't get a second crack at them. So just the whole mindset of everything. Yeah, it honestly kind of like what I said, it, it kind of prepares you almost for like the American League where you got to like turn the page quick. And we would do pre-scouts during the week. Um, if you were playing the same team Friday, Saturday, which we did sometimes, you do like a home and home, say. You would obviously do like a lot more game planning and like on-ice walkthroughs. But if you were playing two different teams, you would kind of prepare for the Friday night game and then just kind of just go play on the Saturday night game. You know, you do like a walk in the morning and that was pretty much it you wouldn't wouldn't really overthink it and kind of the way we played too was pretty offensive minded and pretty loose for the most part so we didn't really do too much game plan we had very smart coaches but we didn't um, they did not overcoach at all yeah that's good and you mentioned the bean pot and you know maybe some midwesterners don't know i know like the real college hockey fans that listen they'll definitely know because the bean pot is like one of the bigger tournaments that happens during the year. Um, how much does that mean to you guys? Like how important is it to to play well at the bean pot? And how much do you guys want to win that throughout the year? Yeah. So for people that don't know, the bean pot is um, it's a college hockey tournament in Boston. It's the four teams uh, in kind of the greater Boston area. So you got BU, BC, Northeastern, Harvard, and it's a four-team tournament, and it's always the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. So it's the first two Mondays in February, and you rotate who you play in the first round every year. So, you know, one year you play Northeastern, one year you play BU, one year you play Harvard, and then you have, like, a consolation game and then a championship the next week. And the town just eats it up for whatever reason. That, like, eight, nine-day stretch, the town is just only talking about the bean pot, like, people in your yeah. classes, people like around the town. And it's very cool, but only people in Boston really care about it. And then it's like yeah. after it's over, like it's just kind of like, but like once you win it, we won it twice when I was there. And it's like campus just like shuts down for two days, basically. It's just kind of, <laughs> yeah, just enjoy it. And then like, yeah, you party like Monday night, Tuesday, and then like somehow you play like Friday. <laughs> you just got to like figure it out. You turn the page, but. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things that just like once like February picks up, like everyone gets excited about it and they just kind of like forget about it real quick too. I, I kind of wish we did something like that. Cause the, the only tournaments that we did was like the icebreaker challenge, which is like the first game. We only did that one year. And then, then we have to wait till the, the conference tournament. So it's like, yeah. I feel like it's, it's kind of a blast from the past too. You know, you grow up playing these tournaments, like, it's kind of just like a fun atmosphere. So when you add just the whole city of Boston, for me, that's just like an exciting sports moment. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great because you you get to play it like the Bruins rink, the TD Garden. It's like, you know, it's kind of like you feel like a pro, like it's sold out barn, like the bands, the fans, you know, the kids, the students. It's really cool. And honestly, like you're saying, it's it's a great way to break up the grind of the season. Yes. Like you have that in February and then it kind of like gets you excited and then like, you know, beginning, middle of March, you start like your conference tournament anyway. So it kind of gets you excited for like playoff hockey, I guess, and which is why guys like it. 
for sure. For sure. Yeah, and they they do something like they do something similar to like that with the state of Minnesota that where they have, you know, four of those Minnesota teams come in and and play at uh, the Mariucci, I think it is, and and they play that tournament. It's nowhere near the bean pot and what they have going on there. Is there any like tradition that they have once you win that that bean or the trophy? Like, is there anything that like special that you guys do with it, or is it just stay in the locker room until next year? No, we uh, obviously enjoy ourselves with it for a couple of weeks you go to a bar and drink out of it you bring it to like the hockey room and have a little party with it and then yeah for the most part i guess now that i think about it like in the whole off season it just sits in your locker room like it's yours yeah. for a year and then come like the next january you got to give it back and earn it back so yeah literally we just like sit <laughs> yeah. there we had like almost like a mail table and it just like would just sit in the locker room and everybody was like, oh, hey, like the bean pot. And then, you know, one day it's not there. <laughs> it's kind of funny now that you say that. I never even thought of it that way. You just, yeah, it just chills for 11 months in your locker room. That's pretty cool. I like that stuff when they just trade off that same trophy. It's got, it's a lot of that, you know, some of those football rivals in, in yep. the Big Ten where they, you know, they trade the jug or whatever with Minnesota and, the jug, Wisconsin. the axe, there's a bunch of yeah. little ones. Yeah. Yeah, the big axe, yeah, the Paul Bunyan yeah. axe, yeah, that stuff's that stuff's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so so you end up playing three years at BC. How you know? Did you did you end up graduating? Because I know you're you're a pretty scholarly guy. You you take your education seriously. Did you end up graduating quickly so you could leave after that third year? What was the process like there? Yeah. So. Um... The head coach now at BC, Greg Brown, the guy who who just took over for Jerry, um, he was a tremendous mentor for me while I was there. He ran the D, he had a tre- tremendous career playing the Olympics, playing the NHL. Um, so he was he was just a great influence on me. And he told me, he said, get organized so that you can leave early and still graduate early because I know you, you're going to get married young, you're going to have kids, and you're not going to want to do this when you retire. And thank God he told me to do that because I would not want to do this again when I retire. I totally know what he means. Um, so I planned it as I was there. I would take a couple each summer. Uh, and I graduated on time and, and walked at my graduation, which was pretty cool. So um, it was kind of a pain in the butt in those off seasons. And then my first year pro, I actually did a class. I took some here in New York and I kind of just made it work. But um, it was important to me to just get it done and have my diploma and not have it looming like, you know, two or three classes looming over my head as I got older. For sure. I, I, I commend you for that because we took summer classes uh, so we could lighten our load during the year. So I think, that's <laughs> you know, you, you took those classes <laughs> yeah. to like, I'm going to graduate early because I have a plan. So that's uh that's pretty cool. Goose try and cheat the system? No way. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Go- Goose and Tom are trying to lighten the load during the year. Never. <laughs> we were not trying to grind during the season. We were thinking about <laughs> hockey and hockey only. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't pretty, before, but I got done. Before we move on from BC, I did want to ask about playing for Jerry York, obviously, because everyone who knows hockey knows knows the famous Jerry York. You know what? What was it like playing for him and? You know, could you tell you were kind of, you know, in the presence of a legend or was it just kind of, you know, he was just another coach and, and, you know, just another good coach? No, you knew right away, like just he has such a presence and he's not intimidating at all. It's honestly like if you have like a grandpa coaching your team that everyone like loves and respects, but he's also the smartest guy in the room 
it's like the little things, you know, he was always short hair, clean shaven, everyone shows up on time, we wear suits everywhere. And he is the ultimate leader of people. I've never met someone that can, obviously he knew a lot about hockey, but he also had great assistants that helped him along, like I mentioned. He just, the way he could command the room and he would just teach us stuff about life. We would have these meetings every day and we'd do, you know, five or 10 minutes of video. And then he would just talk about life experiences and quotes and articles. And I learned so much about like being like a, a man and a parent and all that stuff, like during those three years with him, as much as I did, um, you know, in furthering my career as a hockey player. So I loved playing for him. I think anyone, anyone that played for him would say the same. He was, he was a legend and he deserves all the accolades and respect. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't think you build the resume like he did. If you're not um, like that, like you have to be a real one to, to have that resume or else it'll fall apart at some point. And it yeah. never really did fall apart for him. I mean, he kind of, you know, went out on the top as well. Like he always had good teams every year, year in, year out. So um, it's always interesting hearing about a coach like that, but I guess we'll move on to, you know, your, your career after college here. And like we said, you left after three years, obviously um, you went to New Jersey. So the devils wanted you to leave after three years. You know, what was that transition like? Um, did you feel confident going in? Were you scared? You know, that first training camp, what are you thinking in those moments? Uh, yeah, I mean, mixed emotions. Obviously, you're confident in your abilities. Um, but until you really, like, prove yourself at the pro level, I guess there's always kind of that fear of the unknown a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I felt like I was ready. I felt like I had gotten better and uh, bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, um, you know, improved my game on the ice uh, during my three years at school. So I felt like I was ready for the next next challenge and i'm glad i did it, it kind of all worked out especially that first year um yeah going into your first camp you're obviously nervous but at the same time i just knew i could only do the best i could and the rest would just kind of take care of itself either way so were you i mean when you went into that first training camp did were you like you had your sights set on making the team obviously like no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like you're just trying to make the team. Is that what you, is that what your mindset was like, or were you? Did you know? Like, uh, you know, I might be sent down here. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hard because uh, everyone's kind of in a different situation. Some guys sign and like they're like, there's eight eight defense ahead of me. I'm, at that time, I was pretty fortunate. I was in a good situation with New Jersey. They were in a bit of a rebuild, um, so I knew realistically I could come in and play um, and help them. So I just went into camp and just was just going to grind and battle as hard as I could. That's probably the most burnt out I've ever been. Like one of the most burnt out, like I didn't realize that like those three or four weeks, how much it was going to take out of me, like physically and emotionally, just because every day you're like so wired and like so dialed in, it takes so much mental energy. It's just why I think like young players struggle with consistency because like you're so on the whole, every skate, you know, the whole two hours you're on the ice is like, so I did well, and I had a good camp. I actually made the team at a camp. Um, and then I went down, played a bunch in Albany, and then came back for pretty much most of the year. So it kind of worked out. I kind of had like a traditional first year uh, pro. But uh, that first training camp, yeah, it was definitely took a lot out of me. What uh... – I, I don't I don't know if we've touched on this gauge with some of the NHL guys, but so you come from you know Boston College. You said you guys were you know a bit offensive um, in your time at BC. Like, what was the 
pace like when you get in your first year in the NHL, you know, compared to that college level. That's usually more defensive, at least in the WCHA and NCHC. Yeah, well, uh, transitioning to the Devils, which was a defensive system, as Goose can attest, that totally suited my style. It's probably a little out of my league uh, with uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Kevin Hayes flying down my wings. Uh, that's not really my game, uh, getting up and down the ice as much as some other D-men. Um, but honestly, the pace, obviously, yeah, guys are fast. Guys are stronger and faster. But I would just say it's just like the sharpness. Like every pass is perfect and everyone's thinking a step ahead of you. So even if you're a really good defender, that forward's just as good and it's probably played against defenders better than you. So it's just like – fine-tuning your game a bit. I don't really know how else to explain it because there's a lot of fast and strong college players, but it's just like that poise, that poise to just hold on to it a quarter of a second and put it through your stick on the center's tape. You know, like, I don't even know how else to explain it. That little baby sauce that you don't even know how that got over your stick. Like, yeah, all these little plays under pressure, It's that to me is the biggest difference between, like, you know, a good college player versus a very good NHL player. Just making those plays under pressure and the game's got to flow a certain way in both ends of the ring. The the levels there are just so slim, like between, you know, a really good American league player and a really good NHL player, like in terms of skill and how they are as a player, it's not much difference. Like, it's just that, like you said, like, it's just a, it's a centimeter. Like it's, it's nothing, it's nothing you can really notice with your, with your bare eye, but, it's there. Like that's the difference. And that's the little like edge that you need. And that's why it's so important to, you know, obviously when you're younger and you're growing, you're growing up, like the details matter so much, like the little details, because what's going to separate mm-hmm. you at the end is, is, is this much. So if yep. you can just perfect all those little details and get that much, like you could make it like, that's what matters. So, um, it's pretty cool talking about that and hearing you talk about, you know, just those little details. That's what separates people. But um, Steven, I, I forgot to mention uh, when we were in, when we were in Sochi, Russia, we're, we're about to play the uh, Canadian team. And I, I, I've told this story before, but Uh-oh. we've always, we've always, we always, all, the demon always did these videos on, on like the other team's best players. And we oh, always, yeah, I know like, this is going. <laughs> You remember, you remember, like, I know always exactly ask me, going. Keep going. you know, what's, who, what's this guy's weakness? You know, like, what can we do to stop this guy? And I remember, you know, Andre Burkowski played for Sweden and, and our coach is like, you know what, this guy doesn't fucking pass. So you just, whenever he gets it, let's just send two guys at him and just defend him with two guys. Cause he's not going to pass the puck. And that's what we did. And it worked. Well, Steven asked, like, you know, we're watching video on McDavid and Steven's like, <laughs> What coach, what can we do to, you know, slow this kid down? And our coach is like looks at us and he's like nothing. <laughs> it's just like there's there's nothing you can do. <laughs> just back oh, off man. hope. <laughs> you remember that? I know exactly I remember this like it was yesterday. So we're we're in Sochi, Russia, which is like, you know, obviously the U eighteen tournament. It's you know, it's exciting. It's kind of a grind because we're in Russia and, you know, we're playing all these games and we're doing our pre-scout meeting. We had a day off before the gold medal game and all the D-men are in uh, Don Granado's suite at, you know, whatever hotel we're in. And he's doing the video and 
uh, me and Goose are kind of like, you know, we're the shutdown guys. So we're like trying to get in on the deep. We don't care about the other end of the rank, right? Like we're just going to like shut down the Chushkin and Burkowski. Oh, yeah. and, all right, McDavid's next. Let's go. Like, what's the game plan, Donnie? And uh, so he shows this highlight reel. He doesn't show anything about any other player. <laughs> he shows this highlight reel, right, Goose, of McDavid. Yeah. And it's like him, like, I mean, obviously he's an incredible player, right? But like a German defenseman that can't skate backwards, like falls down, goes in, like, you know, backhand, bar down, like yeah. all these like highlights against like some good players, some not so good players. And he's like, uh, this guy, McDavid, he's, he's Gretzky. He's Crosby. He's, he's the greatest player. He's one of the greatest players I've ever seen. He's like getting like so emotional about how good he is. I mean, Goose are like, no, we're going to go kick this guy's ass tomorrow. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean he's Gretzky? Like, don't tell me that. Tell me how to solve, you know, like, so it's really funny like, looking back on it. But like in that moment, he was right. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. He saw it for sure. And we were just, I remember he said that. And usually he'd, he'd give, he'd, give us a way to like shut a guy down and he said that and we're like coach come on like you're 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 deflating our head here like now we're scared like i don't want to play this guy we all we all didn't know like whether to like laugh or like like start crying because tomorrow was going to be like a disaster like we didn't know how to like take the meeting it was a really really awkward thing (laughs) but uh i i still to this day i tell that story all the time this guy's gonna single single handedly beat all of you. So good luck. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> that's is what, what he said. told us. <laughs> that was the scariest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, oh my god, we are done. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He's Gretzky. He's Crosby. We're like, what? Like, this kid's two what? years younger than us. What do you mean? <laughs> is that even possible? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a cross between Gretzky and Crosby. Yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was good. Earlier, I was, like, thinking in my head, like, if any goose stories I had, if they kind of, like, came up organically. And the the two or three I thought of were, uh, do you remember when we were playing Chicago Steel and you got into a line brawl tied up with Nick DeVito and he had his jersey in your hands? Yeah. <laughs> you remember he this? pulled he my ripped... jersey full Goose off. gets into a fight with this guy. <laughs> the guy ripped his full jersey off. He's, like, holding his jersey, looking at Goose. Like, what do we... like they're looking at each other, like, what do we do now? Like, is the fight over? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like tied up with my guy and I like look over and the guy's like yeah. holding Goose's jersey and everyone's like, oh, this is awkward. That was the last guy uh, that was the last guy I wanted to look up and see it was DeVito. I'm like, oh, fuck, oh this guy is gonna yeah. this guy is gonna pummel me. <laughs> I thought of that one. I thought of uh when we would take the sleeper buses. So Goose and Tom are when you take the sleeper buses, there's no windows, as you probably know from the USHLs. Yeah. And uh there used to be this place, Nick's Pancakes, right next to, like, our <laughs> rink. And we'd get there at, like, 9 or 10, go out to breakfast, and then, like, catch the second half of school kind of thing. So one day, like, you're like a zombie. Like, Goose and Tom are, like, putting their, like, uh, you know, the sweatsuits, they're, like, the garbage bags on. They're like, everybody, wake up. We're at Nick's. We're almost at the cube, you know, waking everybody up. So everyone's, like, getting dressed, and then someone's like, hey, it's 5 o'clock. We're in Indiana. What are you guys doing? Hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fights breaking out on the sleeper bus at five in the morning. They smoke everybody up. Telling everyone we're at Nick's. Everyone's getting ready. Like, fuck. We're at Nick's. We're almost there. Get your shoes on. Breakfast on me. Boys, we're at Nick's. Let's go. And then the other one I was thinking of, honestly, the last one was, uh, I don't know if you remember the semifinals in Sochi. We played like 25, 30 minutes. I think Goose, like, collapsed after the game. We had to, like, carry him into the locker room. He was, like, so dehydrated. 
he like <laughs> collapsed on the bench after the game, like couldn't handle 30 minutes of ice time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. We're Literally, like, me, 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 me and Clint Lewis are like carrying Goose back to yeah. the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a hard fought win against Russia. That's when we met. That's when Putin dropped the puck for us. He was center ice. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Oh, I would still nuts. tell people that I was. I was ten feet away from the dictator. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Should take one about. for the boys. <laughs> yeah, right? Take them down. Yeah. Would have just been uh, killed. I was thinking of all the goofy stuff you and Tom used to do. You had to, you used to have the tape ball. You know, like you make a oh, tape yeah. ball. So they, they, our second year, him and Tom are made this giant tape ball, <laughs> and it had its own stall in the locker room. They had its own bag on the road. Like it was literally like like a team pet, like this gigantic tape ball. <laughs> Steven, you remember like, this the, is the stuff they used to do when we were in high school. It yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit because it carried on to college every single yeah. second. Oh my of god, it. it's great. I can only Steven. imagine the two things these hooligans did in college. <laughs> Steven, you remember the battle axe for the D man, the best demon of the game? Battle axe, you'd shoot, yeah. You'd yeah. shoot the battle axe. I still have that at my house. My dad has it. I was just gonna say, where is that thing still alive? Oh yeah, it's got all our Actually, signatures you, you, on it. You get a kick out of this. I was cleaning out my parents' house the other day. I found extra money in the fine fund that we didn't spend. <laughs> like all these <laughs> no, singles no, and quarters. Because we used to do like singles, and we didn't have any money, so it'd be like twenty-five yeah. cent fine. You know, didn't fill my car up with gas or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. like, I still had a jug, <laughs> and it was fine fund with all the notes in it. And there was some leftover money in it. I was like, oh man, I gotta send this to the boys. That's unbelievable! Wow, oh, we, could, we could have spent we could have spent those on a uh, you know little shaker at Tomer's billet. Pit, uh, so. Yeah, yeah, a Cadoba burrito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, we used to muck those Cadoba burritos, and then um, oh. what was that burger place we'd go? the Bellas too? The Bellas was the best. Oh, this guy used to eat t- two burritos at Cadoba. Who does that? Yeah, you get, like not... a burrito and chips. This guy used to get two burritos. Just just so you know, this guy didn't change one bit in college from these stories. <laughs> I love that. This I is love perfect. That. Gage Gage used that. to Gage used to walk into the locker room at school and he'd just think of the most controversial topic and he'd just throw it out there and then he'd <laughs> just listen to everybody else bicker about God knows what. I love just that. Just start fights. Oh, that. that's great. <laughs> oh my god. So funny, man. Oh, those two cracked. Honestly, you and Tomer were like the comedic relief we needed. Because like the first yeah. year is so miserable. And then the second year is like a little bit tense because it's like everyone's draft year. I don't really know how else to explain it. Like you have a lot more fun, but like it's obviously like yeah. oh, it's a little more you know what I mean? Like it's a little more tense. Oh, yeah. Like to have Stressful. you two as goofballs. To have you two as goofballs, like honestly, like made the experience so much more fun, I think. I remember Donnie you G guys had AIDS. Yeah, I remember. I remember our exit video or interview with with Donny G. He told Tomer and I the same thing. He's like, you know, you guys are going to North Dakota. Just you I know, this. you know, stay focused. Do they play hockey? Like, I know you have your fun. <laughs> We're like, yeah, that'll oh, work. I remember us. you telling me that. <laughs> don't worry about us. I don't Donnie. think it works. We'll be all right. <laughs> no, <it didn't. laughs> you know what though? He was such a great coach, man. Like, not only just like just like working with like us at that age in our development, but like he taught us so many lessons about like what it's like to be a pro and stuff. That I didn't even realize, but he was right about everything. I like, I loved playing for him. He was, I'm so happy when he got the Buffalo job. 
Yeah, I was too. He he's an unbelievable guy. I, I love that guy. I, I wish I could talk to him because he's he's just a great dude. Like he's almost like a little bit. He's got a little Jerry York in him. Like he would teach us yep, shit about like real life. Like yeah, say like half hockey, half real life shit. Like it was one of his best speeches. Was like you know you either like you either like being a hockey player or you like playing hockey. Like it's one or the other. Yeah. And you're never going to be that good if you just like being a hockey player. You got to like playing hockey too. Yeah, no, and he he was right, and that, yeah, like some of that stuff. Like I don't even know if you remember this, but he showed us like a Detroit Red Wings like depth chart, and was like, okay, if you're a forward, you need to learn to be a fourth liner, and then five years later, when this guy retires, you can be a first liner. And like he was 100 percent right. Like to break into oh, yeah. the league, you have to do the little things, and then you can get your opportunity to be like the big gun. So it's like so many things like that that you didn't even like probably went in one ear out the other at that age. But oh, he was yeah. right about everything. That is For that sure. is a crazy thing to think about. We've discussed that before on a show, but like the point one percent of hockey players play in the NHL. You know what's the, what's the roster size? Twenty four spot, twenty three, twenty four spots for thirty teams. Like that's nothing. Yeah, and, and how many guys? Yeah. How many guys on that team? are there for 10 years, you know, and no one's taking right. their spot. Yeah. And that's, not, yeah. and that's not even no the guys that are getting drafted that year. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like I was saying, uh, Greg Brown or my coach at BC used to be like, playing in the NHL is a great job. A lot of, a lot of people want it. A lot of people will do anything to keep that job as long as they can. Cause they, they make a lot of money and you know, they work two or three hours a day and they make a lot of money. And I was now that I'm older, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, he was right. It was a pretty, pretty yeah. good job. <laughs> <laughs> you play in, you end up playing in New Jersey and then Albany and Binghamton. You know, how close is New Jersey? It had been pretty close to where you grew up because it's, you know, right in New York. So, like, if that had to have been a pretty cool spot to play just with family around the area and stuff. So, um, what was that like, you know, with your dad obviously building a hockey rink and then all of a sudden his son's playing right across town in the NHL? Yeah, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I was I grew up a huge Rangers fan. Uh, everyone in this kind of area kind of is. Um, and then I got drafted to the Devils, which is the rival team. So, uh, I mean, it was still really cool. Like, it's probably an hour, a little over an hour from where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, just to be close to home and, and especially those early years of my pro career, um, to be an hour from home and not, you know, all the way on the West Coast or something, it was – definitely made the transition easier for me. I was either, you know, home, Albany, Binghamton, New Jersey. It was all within like a three hour radius. So I was really spoiled. And um, now that I'm bouncing around a bunch of different places and yeah, I kind of miss how, how central everything was back then for sure. Well, and <laughs> yeah, it's, sure. and it's stable. It's a, you know, it's a staler life where now you got to move and change, you know, your routine, yep. your lifestyle, whether, you know, that's just, to me, that just added weight. Yeah. Honestly, when it was just me and my wife, it wasn't that bad. We could just pack up and go to Binghamton or pack up and go to Albany, whatever. But now with two kids, it's like, uh, why don't you just stay here for training camp? I'll go out to St. Louis. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, uh, yeah. it definitely changes the way you appro- approach like life and, and kind of like traveling. So uh, I certainly miss them when we're in you know situations that they, they can't come with me, but um that's just how it goes that's the life i chose i guess yeah and i wanted to get into that too because um i think you are probably the first player we've had on here who's still playing and has kids now um you know what what's that like you know you you grow up your whole life playing hockey and you know you're 
you're, you've got a girlfriend, but you don't have kids. And now all of a sudden you're still playing hockey, still traveling. Now you've got two kids, you know, is that, is that easy? Or that's gotta be it to me. It sounds impossible almost, but it's got to <laughs> give you like, it's got to give you, you gotta be a little more excited to go home after the rink. Right. Cause you get to see the little kids and it gives you something to do during the day. Yeah. Honestly, someone told me before, uh, our oldest son, our son was born. They said the days are long, but the years are short. And it's so, it's so true. Like the days feel so long and it's like borderline stressful at times. But then like, you're like, oh man, my, my son just turned three. This is crazy. Like I remember when you were just born. So it's kind of consumes your day and you find yourself just wanting to talk about them all day with, with other people, because that's what you do all day is you just, take care of them and spend time with them. But it definitely um, has changed my perspective in terms of um, obviously I still work very hard and take my job very seriously and I care a lot, but you know, when I come home, I don't need to stretch seven days a week. If I stretch, you know, two or three times a week, it's going to be just as good. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with them and you're just not thinking about the game all day. Like I remember my first year pro, like, I was just, in, I would just gotten engaged. I wasn't married yet. And I was just like, every day I would just be like thinking like all, like about hockey all day. And like, like I was saying about my first training camp, it burns you out. Whereas like now it's like, I come home, my son has no idea if we won or lost and just wants like <laughs> yeah. a piggyback and like, you know, run around the backyard. So it's, it's cool. It's really cool. And it, um, it kind of has helped me look at the game with like a different, uh, through a different lens, I guess. Yeah, you probably enjoy going to the rink a little more too, just because you're so busy at home. It kind of it's almost like you go to the rink and it's just you know almost relaxing, getting to the rink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and it's funny. Like even like in the summer, like I'll I'll go and do my workout and come back, and uh, I can tell right away like how the kids were when I was gone. My wife, like I, I can tell her mood. Were they a little on edge, or or were they acting? Were they behaving well? And everyone's in a good mood, so. It's kind of funny, like, you know, you have the good days and the bad days. Um, but honestly, my wife is a saint and um, yeah. she holds this family together for sure. And um, she's the best. So she, she takes great care of them whenever I'm not around. Do, have you, do, you, do you and your wife play a good cop, bad cop? And if so, who's usually <laughs> the bad parent and who's usually yeah. the bad uh, Yeah, not to throw her under the bus. I'm probably the fun parent, if I'm going to be honest, only because like, you have to think about it, though, like, my wife has been with my son pretty much every day of his life. And like, I've been here and there. And I, you know, I travel for hockey, and I do this and that. And I've spent, you know, significant periods away from them at different times, whatever, COVID, blah, blah. blah. So she's just kind of been the constant, whereas like, maybe I come in for a day or two and then leave and I can be a little rowdy with my son. And so I'm probably the fun parent, but, um, she's she, like I said, she's, she's great. And she actually knows kind of where to draw the line with him. He's kind of at a wise guy, wise guy stage right now, but, um, I am definitely the good cop. She, she's yeah. the bad cop, unfortunately for her. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if you've ever had to lay down the hammer with chase just because um, I know like, I know how polished you were when you were a kid in, in Ann Arbor. So I know your dad had to have, you know, set you straight a few times. Uh, yeah, there's been some times where he's throwing things around his sister that might be dangerous. and I'm, I might get a little upset. Uh, but for the most part, he's, he's pretty well behaved. I, 
I haven't really had to do anything <laughs> yeah. too crazy other than maybe like, you know, yell at him here. or set, send him to his room. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we haven't had too many problems, but he's also only three. So his formative years are yet to come, I think. For sure. Yeah, Stephen, I wanted to ask too, because we always go over like we have a lot of has-beens on here because it is called the has-beens. So it's a lot of guys who have who are done playing. And, you know, one of the toughest parts is transitioning from a hockey player into the real world. Is that something you've you've thought about or given thought to? Um, you know, obviously you've got you've got plenty of years left in your career. You're still pretty young. But, uh, you know, it's like you said, the, you know, the years go by quick. It's coming quicker than you think. Have you given that thought at all? And, you know, what, what are you, do you, are you doing anything right now to build towards that or? Um, I wish I was doing more to build towards it, to be honest. I know some guys start companies and stuff while they're still playing. Um, it's I have to, like I said, when I was on earlier, um, my whole life, I envisioned myself being a hockey player. So even like through high school and college and like my first couple of years pro, it was just like very hard for me to wrap my head around it. But for some reason, like after kind of like when my son was born and like things kind of went south with Nashville, I kind of like started to turn my brain a little bit and kind of um, think about what I want to do. Um, so I don't really have like a concrete plan, but I have a business degree. Um, as Ben Lovejoy used to tell me, I now have a PhD in hockey because I made it to the NHL. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I would be open to coaching, I think, college just because of the schedule and um, you can work more on like development. Whereas like coaching pro is, is a grind. There's a lot of travel. Yeah. And, um, I wouldn't want that for my family because the turnover, as you guys know, it's the same with players. Every three or four years, you got to go to a new team. You know, it's, it's a lot of games. It's stressful. So I'd much want much more stability for my family. Um, I'd love to coach college, maybe do like player development with the team. Um, I'd love to get into like the management aspect and kind of combine the hockey and the business. Um, yeah. so I've got a couple things that I, I, I think about, but I, I don't have any sort of concrete plan or, you know, I haven't done any internships sure. or anything like that. A, a question, sure. a question, a question I like to ask is, uh, when did you realize, um, hockey wasn't <clears throat> so much, well, it's a sport, but there's also the business side to it. Like, was there a specific moment where it was like, okay, this isn't really like for fun anymore. Um, you know, I'm kind of playing for for the game, myself, my teammates, you know, just the whole mindset behind that. Yeah, I would probably say um, my first year pro was pretty, was pretty smooth, right? Like I said, I had a good training camp, started the year in the minors, finished the year in the, you know, the NHL. And it was kind of like, that was how I envisioned the year going anyway. Like that wasn't really, there was no like, like major heartbreaks or anything. And the next year I made the team in New Jersey again, my second year. And I was a big part of that team. I was, you know, playing big minutes. I had, you know, over 20 minutes a game, one game against Tampa at home. I was playing like top pair with Andy Green. I felt like I was really like coming into my game and I was reaching a, like a higher level and I was having so much fun. And then, Next thing you know, Adam Henrique for Sammy Votnin trade happens. I go from, you know, first pair to Andy Green to my name's not on the whiteboard anymore. And that was really the first moment for me where I was like, wow, this is just, I'm just a name. Like, this is just a business. Like, it no longer became like a fairy tale and a dream. I'm not saying that for like pity or sympathy because that happens to, as you guys know, every player at some point. Yep. But that was like the first moment for me. I was like, wow, like, 
this is really hard and this is not like, and then I end up getting sent down a couple of weeks later. Um, so that was like really the turning point for me. And then ever since then, I've just been like, Oh, you're going to wave me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of just like become yeah. dumb to the business side. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. I saw that comment. I know the depth chart. Like <laughs> you're not yeah. as emotional, as emotionally attached, I guess. It's just like you work your bag off and do the best you can, but like some suits making the decision. So like, I'm going to make it as hard for you as I can, but, I, I can't force yeah. you to do anything either way. I can't force you to pay me. I can't force you to play me. I can't force you to put me in a certain lineup spot, but I'm sure as heck going to try my best and we'll see what happens. That's kind of more the, the approach has changed as I've gotten older. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to have any other uh, perspective on that either, just because you're, you're a pretty level-headed guy and, and think pretty logically as well. So, I mean, that's probably the best way you can handle those situations. You know, it's out of my control and, and whatever happens, happens. I'll do my part. And, and if someone else wants to make a decision, that's fine. Um, but so Steven, have you, do you talked, have you talked with Hades or anyone from the Ann Arbor team recently? Like, hey, do you see any of those guys? Yeah. So I see Hades every day. Uh, we, we work out together at our gym here in Connecticut. Um, see him all the time. Um, is he still a meathead? He is still a meathead, but (laughs) (laughs) he's a meathead. Yeah. Yeah. He's a meathead. (laughs) But uh, you know, John, he's the nicest guy. He, uh, he's great. He was actually, he was a groomsman at my wedding. Um, he's going to be there for the baptism of our daughter in a couple of weeks. So, um, He's basically like family to me. He's like a brother. Uh, him and his girlfriend, Lauren, are going to come over for dinner in a couple of weeks. So talk to Hades a lot. Um, I talked to JT after he won the cup. Um, he was my old billet neighbor. Um, yeah. Played with Butch <laughs> in New Jersey for, for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. I forgot um, about that. I played against Tomer a bunch when he was in Iowa and I was in Milwaukee. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Dems, obviously Demer, I still talk to. Um, yeah, Scotty, I still talk to. Is there um, anything, Stephen? Is there anything crazier than Kevin LeBanc coming out of Ann Arbor and just lighting up the National League? Like, who could have saw? Who could have seen that it's coming? Crazy. Like, oh, this guy, this guy was like slept. He like took like eight five hour naps midday and like just really didn't like he hung out with us but didn't like talk to anyone and like no one could have ever seen this guy being as good as he is and then he just goes to the ohl lights up the ohl and then all of a sudden he's in an nhl you know almost a point per game guy like it's insane and he's in, yeah he's so in i was at, eight, right yeah yeah so i was actually telling a kid on our team who played in barry after banker did in the ohl and he was asking me about kevin the bank and i was like man if you would have told me like this guy would be lighting it up the way he did. I wouldn't have believed you. And the only reason I say that is like on that team, you know, he was probably like our, what, our 12th or 13th forward goose. Like he wasn't like a big, like vital part of our team. But with that being said, like you could see his skill set. Like he had that highlight real goal against Dubuque in the shootout. He, uh, like you could see it in practice. And like, he was so like nonchalant. It was almost like no one took him seriously, but like you could see how talented he was. And then he went to the OHL and like, I think he lit it up as an overager and was like overage player of the year or something. And the next yeah. thing you know, he's playing with Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski. And he's <laughs> like, 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 well, how did that happen? In the course of like four <laughs> years, you went from like almost healthy scratch at the program, which like doesn't happen to like playing online with those guys. So I'm really happy for him. It's kind of a cool story, but yeah. no, I would have never, ever, ever guessed that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's just a crazy, crazy path for that guy. And it, it obviously, like, yeah, like you said, you're just pumped for a guy like that. Like, he was liked yeah. by everyone. He's just, just a little different. Yeah, cat. he's a great guy. Yeah, and just couldn't have seen that coming. But, um, well, Stephen, you'll have to say hi to Hades for me. I haven't talked to him in a while, but you have to, uh, you know, maybe pat him on the back. Fash was telling me he was big in the crypto, and I know crypto took a dip in the past <laughs> couple of months here. So, just <laughs> oh, man. I didn't yeah, know just, that. yeah, you just make sure he's doing okay. Just tell him, you know, it'll bounce right back up and that uh, goose is high for from me. I'll, so. I'll check his wallet tomorrow when I go in. I'll, I'll see if there's still anything in there. <laughs> yeah, you haven't had to buy him lunch recently? <laughs> no, he hasn't been bumming me. I don't know. <laughs> Market's down, crypto's down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Stephen, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate having you here and, and thanks for giving us the time, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, love the podcast. Love what you guys are doing. So uh, it was a pleasure. Hope, hope to be on soon. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good one, man. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thank you. Thank you.